0: All right, podcast fam, I have got Alana today and y'all she is such a maternal grounded energy and she really suffered a loss that I would not wish on anyone which you're going to hear about. She lost her infant about 10 years ago and through the process learned to honor her grief and to really move through it so that she can forever carry him with her. And she started an organization to support other parents who are dealing with the same loss. And she is so, so powerful, guys. So wait until you hear this episode and give us your thoughts. What did you like? And what really resonated with you? And if you are in need of support, as always, reach out via the website or Instagram. LiveMyHappyHealth.com or Instagram is at Amanda underscore chills. If you are going through the website, you will see that I have three steps to build healthy habits that will change your life. But even more importantly, you can do anything you want. It is just a practice. So on to Alana. Y'all, her story is so powerful and I am so excited that she graced us and honored us to share it with us. So here we go. Okay, podcast fam, we are here with Alana Kahneman, who hello is so grounded, is going to tell you this story about how she came to be where she's doing and helping moms and dads who lose a child or a pregnancy or an infant, which all are children. Um, she has this wonderful community that she's working with. She wrote a book and collaborated with this wonderful artist who is like a motherhood artist who's just stunning work. So welcome. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. It's (laughs) amazing to work
1: with you. I love your energy and I'm so excited to talk today and share a little bit more about what we're doing at Carrie with me. So thank you.
0: And it's something I love that you're doing this work because it's something a lot of parents feel shame about and they and a lot of people don't know how to sit with loss, right? So they'll bring it up and people are uncomfortable and then they feel bad because people are uncomfortable and people don't know what to say. And um, so if you'll tell us about you and then how you got into this kind of work.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, our story started just over 10 years ago in this space or my story. Um, and we were expecting our second son and we didn't know what it was gonna be at the time. Um, going into a healthy pregnancy, all the rest of it. And, um, had a beautiful baby boy was kind of nervous of how, um, when, when you have a first child and, and you're falling in love and then it's like, how am I possibly going to love, you know, somebody as much as this. Mm -hmm. And then you fall in love. And the, I, I always describe it as like, um, these little hearts that grow inside of you. And so we have our heart that is beating and growing and how I kind of visualize it or the symbol of it to me is like these little hearts grow inside of our hearts Mm -hmm. and for the ones that we love. And so fell in love with this beautiful little boy. We had a few days in the hospital. It was a ridiculous cold winter Canadian storm when he was born in November. And um, it literally went to the point of my husband was coming into the room with his, his coat on and the car seat in hand. We were going to leave the hospital and the nurse heard a murmur. And so she said, you know, it's it's really, yes, a heart murmur. And she said, you know, it's really common. This happens all the time, but let's just get the doc in to check you out before you go and we release you snowball effect and your world starts to slowly crumble to, you know, more specialists looking at him not sure what was going on more tests being done moving into the NICU um at the hospital that we were at and at this point I'm like frustrated scared not super fearful because I think we all feel invincible on some level and Mm -hmm. like bad things can't happen to us until they do Mm -hmm. and um then you know fast forward a couple days and we get delivered the news that um a doctor we've never met before and sits me down in the room and says um i'm sorry mama but your boy is very sick and he's never coming home Ooh. and um Oof. it's like your entire being and world falls apart right right yeah. um from there we move to the a children's hospital specialized hospital in our city And, um, he lived out the next 10 days of his life there and passed away in our arms at two weeks old. So, um, changes your life forever. Um, that pain stays with you forever, but so does the love. And that's Mm -hmm. really something that I'm on a mission to share and to help parents, um, navigate through loss. And so, um, over the years it kind of happened, um, naturally Mm -hmm. and organically in that people, you know, I've had people literally come to, to come to my house and show up at the front door and just kind of fall into my arms crying who are going through loss or their loved yeah. ones going through loss. Or in my previous career, um, I worked in the energy sector for over 15 years mm. and would have people coming into my office or booking a coffee meeting with me and sharing that they lost a child 30 years ago or their best friend was just wow. going through a miscarriage and you know, how could they show up for them? And so it started kind of in these informal mm-hmm. roles. So it really started um,
0: like weaving, like that, that theme started weaving itself into your life. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, I had written, I didn't sit down to write in a healing um, awareness, if you will, right? We all process in different ways. And, you know, I think people really have to listen to what works for them, whatever trauma, mm-hmm. whatever grief, whatever challenge you're going through, right? It's mm-hmm. like, really listening to what works for you and what is helpful for you Mm -hmm. and I had sat down and I I like to write and and paint and get creative and kind of get Mm -hmm. you know those messy thoughts out move them out of my body and so um in writing one of the the things that kept coming up was I will carry you with me I'll carry (laughs) you forever I'll carry you and the story came to be um and so it took years to come and bring out into the world mm-hmm. um but it started with a storybook and from the second i said out loud i wanted to do the storybook i knew i wanted so much more than than the book that yeah. i started an online community mm-hmm. um where we can connect with other parents going through loss and support people who are showing up every day incredibly mm-hmm. to serve and support and walk us through that darkness yeah um and then it kind of just evolved from there into more formal roles on different um, boards and charities and all sorts of things. So, really um, dedicated to this space.
0: Hmm. How did it affect
1: your marriage? Relationships are a big one. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um, it's funny. Because I'm because- sure you, go ahead. Well, I'm, I was going to say, I'm sure you work with some people who their relationship. I don't want to say can handle it or can't handle it, like, but it can very much like cause, you know, be a catalyst for a relate for a relationship to end. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you guys navigate it? And then what, what are you seeing? Um,
1: So not being a professional on that, I totally can share our story and some of the things that I share in our program um, around conflict and partnership, but you know, an interesting note was, I remember one of my best friends was working at the children's hospital at the time when we were there with, with Marshall. Mm -hmm. And so she was kind of, you know, seeing it all go down and Mm -hmm. and, had known us since I was young. And, um, I remember her saying to me when he passed away, like, you guys are going to get through this and I don't know how, but you need to be strong together because so many marriages, this is the end and you Mm -hmm. can't lose each other now. And I remember that just like smack hitting me in the face at the time being like, oh my God, right? Mm -hmm. Um, As time went on and looking back, so I have the benefit of hindsight now. And what I can share Mm -hmm. is like, not a shocker, communication is Mm -hmm. key. Like any relationship in life, the more Mm -hmm. I studied the conflict that we have had around it, we processed in very different ways, very, Mm -hmm. very different ways. I just shared a little bit about how I'm expressive, and kind Mm -hmm. of an emotional empath, if you will. Mm -hmm. And my husband is more of an internal thinker, right? And it took years for us to come to a place where he could say, I process out in nature when I need to get away, when I go on a fishing trip or I go hiking or I do whatever Mm -hmm. on my own, I don't need to talk about it. I need to just be in nature. For me, I needed to talk about it, right?
0: I was gonna say that's very hard when your styles are different.
1: It is, and it's quite common, right? And it's really not gender-based. The more research I do on it about intuitive and instrumental and all these different types of ways that we process, it's really learning to sit with how you do it for yourself Mm -hmm. and give
0: space for how other people do it
1: for them. I was just
0: thinking holding space while you said that. Yep.
1: Yeah. And would you, I mean, would you say in your experience, it's like the bridge that I see is communication. Yes, that, that becomes the bridge. It's like,
0: yeah, what can
1: I do? What what am I able to to sh- how am I able to show up? Mm-hmm. I can communicate that. And then I can also communicate what I need or what is mm-hmm. not helpful.
0: I think communication and space. So so what I see a lot of people struggle with, especially if you have different um processing styles is if one partner is very verbal and the other partner very is not often the verbal one will have so much trouble not having their partner talk to them and so it's like i i need to talk but i understand that you don't and then it's like how do you figure out how those things mesh because if one person's a talker they're going to want to talk to their partner but if the other partner's and internal that stresses them out. So it's like yeah. figuring out how to, how to navigate those things. So it's, yeah, it's definitely communicating, but then also allowing your partner the full freedom, as long as they're doing the work to do the work in their own way. And I've, What I see is it tends to be harder for the verbal one to sit with that and to be like, "You're not talking to me."
1: (laughs) It's like they're not. It's really hard to understand. It's really hard to understand. Um, One thing I do really want to make sure I share is that, Mm -hmm. um, and I talk about this a lot, but the the term "fix me," because this Mm -hmm. is language I wish I would have had ten years ago. It could have saved us a lot of troubles. And so this came up in a very heated discussion, I'll say. Um, we were supposed to be going out for a date night one night, you know, get a break. The, mm-hmm. the children are with the grandparents babysitting. And something triggered me. I don't even remember what it was. And mm-hmm. I just teared up and started crying. And we're driving out to dinner. And my husband's just like, like, what now, right? Like, why are yeah. you always crying? Like, what's going on, right? Yeah. And I'm talking, this is like eight years out this is fresh off the you know and um so it it just immediately triggered both of us into this Mm -hmm. like heated heated conversation yeah and he in his frustration which then you know have learned since just kind of shouted out at me I can't fix you I can't fix you Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not gonna fix you anymore and I shouted back. I was like, I never needed you to fix me. I never wanted you to fix me. <laughs> right. I just want you to stand by my side while I work on right. myself. Right. And it was like both of us were like, like Yeah, why didn't we say that so long ago?
0: <laughs> I don't need you to fix me. I just need you to sit with me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I I never this whole time, and we've talked about it at length since since mm-hmm. right. And working in this space now, got the opportunity to kind of like get a bit more of his perspective on it Mm -hmm. which was amazing but hearing that the whole time he shared he felt like he was responsible to fix me yeah So he kind of like packed his grief aside right and and really really felt it in a different he he loved our son he still loves our son Mm -hmm. but felt it in a more like nature way right yeah saw that he was sick and ill there was no fix for our son yeah this is how life works and now we we deal with that right
0: okay
1: um mine was more like this kind of yeah it was more like poster crazy yeah absolutely um so i think that is just an interesting language of like the fixed piece right no one can ever fix anyone else we don't even really fix ourselves we
0: develop and we evolve i Is that, so like, that sounds like something that you're carrying into your community is all these different, because part of, part of the thing about this kind of grief and loss is it's so, it feels so isolating. Mm -hmm. Like trauma cuts you off from the rest of the world, because if you don't know people who have personally experienced it, you feel so alone. And the nice, I mean, the beautiful thing about a community is not only Can other people say me too, but you have all these different perspectives that people can link with and say, oh, I always thought that I dealt with it this way, but now that I have this knowledge, maybe I really deal with it this way. Oh, someone else has been through it. They're part of my roadmap now.
1: Absolutely. Um, Isolation is a huge thing and it's kind of a funny one because um, I think in the beginning, we're isolating ourselves, right? and um this is like a huge theme on its own we won't like dig to the bottom of today but in the book and in the program and in the community we talk about isolation a lot mm-hmm. and so I would describe it as a snow globe of reality and mm-hmm. that um it's I felt like my life was like a snow globe and that all the pieces were glued down and I like my world was just shaking and I was I was the only piece in the world, not glued down. I was just tossing and turning and and couldn't, couldn't plant my feet back on the ground. And at the same time that there was a dome Mm -hmm. pushing down on me, like I felt stuck. Yeah. And so that changes over time. And we talk about that shift and I get Mm -hmm. people to reflect on, you know, how is that changing over time? Mm -hmm. What things are helping you ground and get your feet back Mm -hmm. on the ground and, and, It doesn't happen overnight, Mm -hmm. but there's this subtle awareness when we reflect, when does the dome start to lighten? When does it start to like open up? Right. Mm -hmm. And I can't put my finger on exactly when, but I can tell you what it felt like inside of the dome. And I can tell you what it felt like when that glass dissipated. Right.
0: I love that visual.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I, um,
0: that's a great,
1: Yeah. And I think it's just relevant in the isolation piece of like, everything's changed, but nothing, you know, like your entire life and being has changed, but everything looks the same. Your bed looks the same. Your house looks the same. The street looks the same, Mm -hmm. but nothing feels the same. And so, you know, I think that natural isolation, when we've been through trauma, that um, the body just needs that pause or that gap Mm -hmm. to kind of like be in that numbness and that Mm -hmm. kind of shock. And then when you start to drift out of that and you start to step into kind of like a bit more of mm-hmm. the fog rising and, you know, present yeah. moment. Yeah. then the isolation flips almost to being isolated from society because people mm-hmm. don't know what to do with you. They don't know right. how to handle you anymore.
0: Right. Yeah. Can you share what that was like? So mm-hmm. what can people do if someone has experienced a loss like this or or another kind of loss. And I, I feel like we're gonna have a general theme of like holding space. But mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really know what that means. Um, and they don't know how to do it. Like that's a pretty specific skill set. So how can people show up for people in their life who are going through some hard shit? Yeah.
1: Um I guess when I would describe it, I would think of holding space as like settling into um, the uncomfortable mm. allowing, allowing silence yes. to occur, which is really hard for me. Like just in as a person, I'm a, a chatterbox. <laughs> it's hard you know, for most perhaps, people. Perhaps, you know, you resonate with that, right? Like yeah. an energy that is hard to just
0: sit in silence. So I'm not and, fair because yeah. I'm a therapist. So I do that all the time. <laughs> I'm the outlier, but I have... People who don't do this kind of work for a living, everyone is uncomfortable with silence. Like it's a thing. So yeah, Yeah. most people are like, I don't know what to say. I'm uncomfortable and I have to talk so that it's uh, less uncomfortable, which is kind of the opposite of holding space. Like you're saying, so, so you're settling. I love that you say settling into discomfort and not just sitting there like knees up, like Like, you got to you got to dig into it. Yeah. Sadly
1: for me, I was the unsettled until I went through something. And I think that mm-hmm. might be the norm of humanity, right? It's like yeah. once you experience loss or trauma or grief, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have this like awareness of how right. to show up in it. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the blessings I feel like I've, I've received in this experience is mm-hmm. how, how to show up in, in pain and suffering for others. Yeah. So if you haven't been through something like that, um, I think knowing that it's okay to make mistakes, but that showing up however you authentically can Mm -hmm. is important and it is so appreciated. And so what I mean in the way that you can, it's saying, honor who you are too. You don't have to walk away from yourself to be supportive of somebody else, right? And so- So good. Oh, thank you. No, it's just like, it, it's if you aren't that person who can sit on the couch, and just hold me while I cry, mm-hmm. or listen to the painful details of like a hospital day, or whatever yeah. it may be. That's okay. Not everyone has to do that. Right. But are you the friend that can show up and bring a meal? Mm-hmm. Are you the friend that can send a note three months later and say, hey, I'm thinking of you. Yeah. Oh, my, my child's name in chalk in in a sidewalk when you're playing yeah. with your children one day, mm-hmm. completely out of the blue. Text me a picture of mm-hmm. you know my child's name, and and that means the world, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so
0: if you're a doer, be a doer. If you're like a space holder, be a space holder. Yeah. Um. Just to talk about how to be a space holder because a lot of people don't know. So like. The way that I think about it, and the way that um, I explain it to people is, do you have a pet? No. A of, okay. Um, have you ever had a pet? No.
1: <laughs> no, I'm like the anomaly. There's a goldfish In office interview. <laughs>
0: uh, sure, yeah, well, kind of. Well, so we, like, have, we have a fish now, like that. Fire from this interview. Yeah. Um, okay, well, for people that have pets, I mean, fish count yes. because, the point of what I'm saying is like, they're comforting in part because all they do is exist with you. They don't try to fade your pain or fix it or hide it or distract it. They just.
1: Yes. That's so awesome. Yes.
0: Okay. So you fish do it. I don't know how comforting no. fish are. But... I,
1: I see pets. Everybody I know has pets. Yeah, okay. So, so... I, I totally get it. I totally so get like... it
0: like a cat, right? Like cats for people that have cats, they're going to get this, like they'll kind of follow you room to room. I call it bro time where they're not like in your face, like dogs are, but they'll sit with you and they'll just kind of hang out around you. And they just exist. They're doing their thing, but they're physically present with you. When I'm teaching people to hold space, that's how I teach them. Like, imagine that you are a cat and you're just Physically existing with this person without trying to change them. Just, I will sit with you in this space. I love it. Until things are better because a lot of the time, like people don't need to be fixed, right? Like your husband was, was beating his head against the wall trying to fix you, but that's not what you needed. Mm -mm. What you need is someone to exist with you and say like, I see your pain and it's valid. And I'm just gonna hang out with you because that's important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of time, you know, building on that comment and that analogy is perfect. And I love that. And I hope you don't mind if I steal that. No, please do. Um, please. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but it's like when when I was expressing those things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I didn't I didn't always need a dialogue back, right? Like right. that could have taken pressure off to just know. Mm-hmm if he was just able to listen for five minutes or mm-hmm. to like pass me a Kleenex, if I'm crying in the yeah. corner and just put his hand on my shoulder and say, it's going to be okay. Or I'm yeah. here or like, it's tough.
0: That's it. Yes. yes. I love that you're saying my that job, because a lot of right? people don't know what to say when that happens. And so something I say all the time, like in sessions, I'm just like, that's so hard. Yeah. Like that's hard. Yeah. And they're just like, you the Lord. and I'm like, you just cry." You just cry it out. So like for people that don't know what to say, just saying like, that's really hard or wow. (laughs) Wow, that's enough. Language.
1: Yeah. Language is also super important when you, when you just said that people don't know what to say. This trigger goes off in my brain immediately. And um, what some of the things I also like to mention are letting go and how that is never a phrase you want to hear in a bereavement or probably grief scenario and so I think the term letting go for yoga or for mindfulness or like creativity is, is beautiful beautiful mm-hmm. it's it's core when somebody goes through something that is you know extremely painful extremely traumatic and mm-hmm. they're feeling a deep sense of loss or heartache whatever that is yeah that having somebody tell you you need to let go <laughs> is so hurtful and yes. triggering
0: and invalidating.
1: And- And all the things, right? And the sad part is that those people saying it, they're actually showing up. They're taking a chance. They're they're in our presence and they're they're trying to us. They're trying, right? And so I talk about this a lot with hospitals and with, you know, support Uh centers or families of brave people. And that saying, you know, I I sat with this term for a long time Mm -hmm. to understand and unpack it. And what I think people are trying to say is that they they love us too they Mm -hmm. love you know they love our child in this example they love our child but they Mm -hmm. love us too and they're afraid they're going to lose us too Mm -hmm. and that they don't know how we're doing it Mm -hmm. but they're proud that we're surviving Mm -hmm. and they want to encourage us to keep taking steps forward to be in the present
0: empathetic view thank you that's such a ground like that's such a grounded empathetic view so An interesting note about that. I filmed an episode, released an episode about toxic positivity. And so that's a phrase like, oh, you just need to let it go. And it's like, uh, I'm going to throw you off a bridge. Another one, like I live in the uh, Southeast U.S. Another one is like, well, um, you know, God has a plan for everything or they're in a better place now. And if i swear to god if someone said that to me after i lost the child i'd be like there's no better place than with me you can f off right like zero percent would i want someone yeah. to say that to me but a lot of people are brought up and like especially down here that's a cultural yeah. thing yep and so when we're talking about holding space we should also probably i'm glad that you said that talk about what not to say so anything that's like it's for the best, or God works yeah. in mysterious ways, or you should just let go. Like maybe avoid those. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and they're so yeah. programmed into us, right? Yeah. That they're just yes, like they become our uncomfortable go-to phrase, yeah. right? I'm sure I've said them before too, before yeah. I had Probably. this awareness, right? Yeah. Um. And do try to have that grace with people that I mean, don't kid yourself. Like in my head, I'm thinking like, oh.
0: Like, or, you know, you in the
1: face. <laughs> like my eyes are rolling probably out of my brains so that they're like watching like, ah, I just really? said something wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think so in, especially in faith terms, mm-hmm. um, I think there is a place to incorporate that. And if that mm-hmm. is a part of your life and your journey and sure. often faith gets rattled by trauma and loss, but it right? has to be
0: our choice.
1: Yes. And like and saying it in a. In a supportive way Mm -hmm. versus a um package like well that was meant to be way you know it's like i'm here for you and so is god or whatever you know spirit or whatever source it is but it's like there's i think there's like a friendly way if you must you know Mm -hmm. bring in that path to like say it as a supportive tool versus a like reason for the loss
0: right Yeah. agreed. So you started the community, you are on boards for nonprofits. Can you tell us about what that work looks like? Because that's mm-hmm. very cool.
1: Yeah, um, I, I recently last year stepped down from the board, but there's a pregnancy and infant loss support center in Calgary, Alberta, in Canada, where I'm from. And it's incredible. It's um, a physical space, which with COVID has obviously changed, mm-hmm. but um, a really holistic and diverse Uh, healing and processing opportunity. So there's all sorts of different support groups um, going across all sort of different um, inclusivity topics that Mm -hmm. we really want. Loss happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't care what color your skin is. It doesn't care what gender you are. It doesn't care what income you have or what part of the Mm -hmm. city you live in. It happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really beautiful thing to see that support Kind yeah. of reaching out across the world in our area and online, yeah. Um, and combining sort of like traditional coaching and counseling and mixing it with the Reiki and massage wow. and reflexology and yoga, I right? Love that, that. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and then Polida is an organization mainly based in North America, um, mm-hmm. in the U.S., and it's the pregnancy loss and infant death alliance. And so I'm on the edu- education committee for that, and really just it's a great learning platform for myself. And
0: mm-hmm. that
1: showing up as a bereaved parent or an advocate, um, but it's really a medical-driven organization. Mm-hmm. And so getting to listen in to some of the experts across the U.S. and globally yeah. at their conferences and webinars and what, um, all specializing in perinatal loss. So you know, everything from creating memories to how to show up for parents when they're going through loss, difficult decisions, termination, Mm -hmm. um, holding space after loss, what that Mm looks like and support just mind blowing stuff. So really excited to Mm -hmm. still be involved with that and participating and learning there all the time.
0: Now you have how many kids now?
1: I had I have four children, two Earth side and two on the other side. Our first pregnancy um, was lost as well at twelve weeks, mm-hmm. and so um, I have Aiden and Lily here
0: with us. And uh, Aiden will be twelve this year, and Lily will be nine. What's it like being pregnant after you miscarry and or lose a child? I imagine that's a whole bundle yeah. of emotions. What's that like? Um, scary.
1: (laughs) It's scary for, you know, a simple answer. And, um, I think some good advice that I had once from a doctor was like, after the first miscarriage, I go in and I'm just like completely oblivious, oblivious. I think Mm -hmm. just, you know, you get pregnant and it just happens and, you know, it's going to be beautiful. And I think I had like five friends at the time that were pregnant. We were Mm -hmm. all doing a few months of each other, not really planned, just coincidentally. Right at the stage of life. And, um, and then I lost my baby and I was like, what, this isn't supposed to happen, you know, Mm -hmm. pregnant with Aiden and really, you know, terrified every scan, every month, every whatever. Um, Am I going to lose this baby too? Right. Mm -hmm. And so connection is a, is a struggle and is something that I think is really important to keep you just keep at it, right? It's like practice. You keep, mm-hmm. yes. you feel what you're feeling on those days where you're scared or angry or unsure, like, yes, that's what you're feeling. Allow mm-hmm. that feeling to happen. And then you also have to bring back and have intention to connect with that pregnancy mm-hmm. and to connect with that baby. Um, I know a lot of moms feel robbed in that after mm-hmm. pregnancy, after loss, and that it can take a long time to connect with that child in that pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and then experiencing losing a child after birth, mm-hmm. it was like such a weird experience with Lily because mm-hmm. now the whole pregnancy, I was like a bit worried and afraid. And like every time I had an ultrasound, it was like, what are they going to find now? Yeah. Um, right. And then after I had her, that sort of like visceral fear shot through the roof of like Right. Is she breathing? Is she gonna pass Does away? Does she have a heart you know? Are they gonna find? Yes, something? all the things, all the things, right? Yeah. Um, all I can suggest in those moments, and like what I've come to try, is like bringing yourself back into the moment, mm-hmm. right? I try How to do you like, do that? I call it my walk myself out of the corner. <laughs>
0: um Ooh. you have such good analogies. Tell us about it. <laughs>
1: Thanks. Um, I try to like let my irrational kind of like thoughts occur and then I try to take steps back out of the corner so breathing easy one right um just like pausing and taking a breath and like feeling the breath or Mm -hmm. thinking about the breath um another thing that I do is phone a friend I call it Mm -hmm. like talk (laughs) to somebody because I'm a talker so that works for me maybe not for everyone but it's that like distraction that causes the gap right Mm -hmm. that's changes the thought pattern. So it's like yeah. I can call my mom, a sister, a friend, talk to my partner, whoever, and say, um, I'm like so scared that I'm gonna lose her, or whatever. And then we kind of like flush that out, right? Mm-hmm. Um another hack that I love is um this is like more recent, a decade ago I like I don't I didn't have Instagram. I didn't, I don't I barely texted. But yeah. like um I save a lot of stuff to my phone. So pictures that I think are funny. Um, quotes that I word. like. Yeah. Yes. Um, social media on like Instagram or whatever. I'll like save posts that I think are really motivating. Mm-hmm. So when I'm kind of like falling into the hole, yeah, I will like put pull up something and like look at it. Yeah. To kind of,
0: and like shake that so to just head. refocus so you. Yeah. 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 Those are a few things that I I try to do. So it sounds like something you experienced that I really want people to understand is that those things don't go away they don't they you you never get to a point after you experience that kind of trauma or loss or grief where you never have those thoughts again you never are triggered you are never you know having those emotions again like that's a lot of people um, think believe hope that they'll never have those things again and it's just not that's not real you are going to be, you know, I mean, it was 10 years ago, even if you, yeah. even if you've integrated that trauma into your life and have a perspective and have different skills. And I don't want to say move on, but like you integrate and you yeah. move forward, move forward. Yeah. Um, they, they come up and random things will trigger you because the brain works in spider webs. So it's not a linear, oh, um, yeah, obviously like hospitals would probably be triggering. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. But sometimes it can be a smell or 100%. or something that you, you know, it, it can be very seemingly random, but to your brain they are connected things. So how do you educate people that they're going, like this is going to, they're going to carry these things with them. Mm-hmm. And over time they get less intense and less frequent, but they're still going to happen. So how do you set that up? And what have you seen? Um like you you share some things that you have success with. Like what are other people in your community? What do they do?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh triggers is such a huge one, right? And it's mm-hmm. like I love how you said that because it really can come out of anywhere. And
0: yeah, and you're this, just
1: is, like- this is something important to talk about and to mm-hmm. share because it isn't always talked about. And this is somewhere that I think society falls through the cracks. And one of the things I'm super passionate about, because when you're in the acute situation, so say if you know you're going into a loss or you've just experienced a loss unplanned or all of whatever the scenario is. Sure. In the medical environment, people are there supporting you as mm-hmm. the parent or as the person going through something. Um, but their job is to like fix you or fix the person in harm.
0: Right, acutely, like in the moment, and then it creates. So, like to jump into that, I have a lot of shame. A lot of shame around people who I'm going to put this in quotes. They should be over it by now, yes, because the medical community one doesn't explain these things at all. Hello, (laughs) which. That's a whole separate issue, but like a lot of people think given a year, six months, two years, 10 years, they, they should be over it by now. And then they have shame that they yeah. experience that they're triggered. So yeah. yes, continue.
1: Yeah, and then, then you might, some people might have access to or be able to seek professional support in counseling or psychiatry or psychology. Right. Um, and those are great, important tools. Like I took advantage of some of those things, right? Um, but what I found in that relationship as well was there was great space created and I got mm-hmm. to, you know, share my story and share my pain and had a few strategies to help. But there yeah. was like no one saying to me, and I don't know who would whose job it would have been <laughs> to say
0: your job watch
1: out. you're going to cry in the shower for months mm-hmm. because it's quiet mm-hmm. and yeah. it's silent. And your grief is going to just like explode out of you in those moments. Like no one tells you that. No one maybe even knows that. Right. But -hmm. it's like, that was friggin' scary. And like, Mm -hmm. I felt like, why am I always crying in the fucking shower? You know, like, right why? I just want to like wash my hair and go somewhere and do something. And I'm just like falling apart all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, reflecting on that too, I think there is that healing property of water and water is emotional and it's like all the things, right. That makes sense. But it's like, no one tells you that. And I think triggers coming up over time. So Mm -hmm. to your first comment and question I call it the carry with me stage. I call mm-hmm. it the living and the joy and the pain stage. Mm-hmm. And that sort of, I see as the last and constant, always mm-hmm. evolving stage of life after loss yes. is that we somehow, whether we have taken different paths of support or not, we do the best we can to navigate mm-hmm. our lives and incorporate it into our lives. And we now live in both the joy and the pain. So- mm-hmm the pain will always be there. Yes, Yes. the pain will always be there. It will always be under the surface. You will always have that loss or that missing or that wonder. Mm -hmm. And depending on the, you know, scale of trauma, there is some awful things um, Mm -hmm. that people experience that, you know, can stay there very, very deeply. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Thank you. Um, I think though that The joy is sometimes scary to come back Mm. and it can come back, and it's a good thing if it comes back, right? And so, comfortably settling into over time, and it's different for everybody Mm -hmm. that timeline and how it feels, but that you can laugh again, Mm -hmm. you can be silly again, you can have fun again, you can experience joy. Yeah. And know that it's okay that one hour in my day I'm laughing and having fun and being silly mm-hmm. and the next 5 minutes or hour or day I might be crunched over in bed in the fetal position crying.
0: Yeah. Because
1: I just can't believe this happened to me or I can't yeah. believe how much I miss my son today or whatever it is, right? So uh you're just so
0: good. <laughs> you're so good, you're too kind. You're too oh, kind. you're so good like it's so good. What, what I want people to... I'm trying to move out of yeah. the sun here. Oh, yeah. You look great. I love the little fox picture <laughs> behind you, by the way. Oh, if you guys are you. watching on YouTube, like, it's adorable. Um, What I'm hearing and what I want to repeat so that people understand is, like, you're going to feel joy again. Also, you're going to feel pain What I see is that if people run from pain, they run from joy. They Mm. are always, it's like in a romantic comedy where like the, the suspect, like, and the person are handcuffed together. Like they're always handcuffed together. You cannot have one without the other. If you cannot accept that you're going to be in pain, sometimes you will never experience joy again or none. That is a fact.
1: That makes so much sense. I've (laughs) never heard that. Thank you for saying that. that But I'm just like all
0: emotions. Yeah, all emotions are a spectrum. So if, but you only get the full spectrum. We can't pick and choose what we want. And and through this process, I'm sure you've seen people try and pick and choose. Um, What happens is they, all they do is run. If you're running from one, you run from everything forever. And you can never stop running because they're relentless and they catch up. So when people accept that they're in pain and it sucks and it hurts and you may feel like you're going to die and you can't handle it and yeah. it's not fair and all of those things that come with it, once you can sit with that and say, like, this isn't going away, but I can carry it. I don't yeah. have to carry it all the time. I can put it down. Yeah. Then the joy comes. And they're always together. So when I, when I talk about this, I think of it as like, (laughs) um, I say like people are carrying around like a huge bag of rocks and it's heavy and it's hard, but you're carrying it all the time because you don't know that you can put it down. But meanwhile, you're running, which is horrible. So you're trying to run with this huge bag. But Mm. when you just sit and you're like, this bag sucks, like I better take some rocks out and deal with it. Then. Then it's like putting the bag on a wagon. So you're still carrying it with you, but now it has wheels. It's not as heavy. You don't have to carry oh it God. all the time. And, and like, I want people to really get like, you're going to be in pain. There are going to be days, just like you said, where you, it hits and it hits like a tsunami and you're drowning, but yeah. that's not every day. And if you're constantly yeah. running from a tsunami, like that's not possible. So once you yeah. just embrace that like life is going to suck sometimes. It's going to hit you. You know better than I do how it feels. The people in your community know better than I do how it feels. But if you can sit through it or call a friend or save things on your phone or go for a walk like your husband does, do something that have, allows you to get through it, then the joy comes and they're they're just always in pairs. Like yeah. you can't have one without the other.
1: And I think to the giving yourself the freedom and the permission to feel joy again, oh, I've yeah. witnessed Ooh, so many. I mean, I felt it at times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely too. I'm not, you know, escaped from this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I witnessed it really strongly in some of the bereaved parents I've worked with over mm-hmm. the years and that there's like a very strong apprehension to um, or avoidance of joy
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it's what? like I'm I'm scared if I pick up joy I have to put down pain and loss. Mm. And if I put like down pain and loss, I just like severed my last relationship with yeah. my child, my last connection to them. But the truth is that you discover is there's no putting that down forever, right? right? Like right. And so you hold on to that, like it just mm-hmm. yes. Your analogy made so much sense, and I can see that it's like yeah when you learn that you can pull it with you with support it's not going anywhere let the, let the joy back in but you're so right. afraid to put that bag down because you're afraid that that's that bag is like the last handle you have left on your child right
0: oh, so powerful
1: yeah thank you for yeah. sharing that analogy I think that's so beautiful yeah, yeah. I, and I and
0: go please go ahead
1: I was just gonna say something that was coming up was that you know if we don't deal with it mm-hmm. in whatever way that looks like, mm-hmm. right? If we bury it and bury it and bury it and bury it inside of ourselves, research, studies, mm-hmm. everything shows us that like it can show up as physical pain in the body. Oh yeah, and physical pain, And on top of the emotional, yes, all life. the things, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. So no one can do the work for you. It right. is hard work, mm-hmm. but it is work that if left undone, and mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you have to do it on any specific timing. No, I, I share that with parents no. too. Or like, you know, I'm a decade out and I haven't done it and I'm horrible. And I'm like, no, when you're ready, you weren't ready yet to do it.
0: Right. You know?
1: Um, so I think that's just another thing to share that mm-hmm. there are ways to do it that work for you, that you just listen and lean into and that you take chances on, because if you do pack it away it shows up in plays. It comes up.
0: Usually are supportive. I, yeah. I always say you can't bury that body deep enough. Um, no. like I it mean you watched a murder show, right? Like yeah. it comes up <laughs> when yeah. it rains, it comes up. Um, so you are, which is such a good segue. Like this is just I want to have like so many conversations with you. I know, um, I know, me too. It's <laughs> such a good segue though, because you provide a space for people to do this. So yes. How do people find you? Tell us about what you offer, um, yeah. please.
1: Awesome. Um, so we have the community. It's free. It's online and it's beautiful. Um, What's the website? That it is www.carryyouwithmecommunity.com. Mm-hmm. So the simplest way to find anything that we're doing and everything's all connected is at carryyouwithme.com. Just like it's like you would write it out, carryyouwithme.com. And from there, there's a button. You just click community. That'll take you right to the community page. Mm -hmm. There's a button to the program that'll take you to more Mm -hmm. information about the program. We also have it built out in chunks. So you can find, if you're a bereaved parent, let let me help you get to the the content and the resources Mm -hmm. that'll be most helpful for you. If you are a support person, if you are a loved one of somebody, if your sister, if your favorite barista, if your son, if your neighbor is going through this, here's a page to help you direct where you can support them. Mm-hmm. And if you're a healthcare professional and want to learn more and add to your practice, here's some of the ways you can support your clients. So um, The community, like I said, is free. It's online. We, we just moved. And why I say it's so beautiful. We just moved off Facebook in November. Mm-hmm. So it took a huge risk going to a platform outside of that. Yeah. It's got its own app, um, easy to use, but why I say it's beautiful is because it allows for deeper connection. Mm -hmm. So we can connect as members across time and space. Um, Mm -hmm. There's the ability to do all the same things of like sharing stories and member Mm -hmm. spotlights and community hosting online events. Um, We do a theme every month that we dig into. So there's some learning components. There's, we call it express yourself because um, one thing I wanted to share is important to me about the community and the members I think is that it's not just a pit to climb into. Mm -hmm. so there's lots of different things out there and we all need different things at different times Mm -hmm. but what the carry you with me community is about is about acknowledging the pain and being true to it and sharing those things but it's also about inspiration and light that Mm -hmm. we can have joy again that we can you know find our passion again find inspiration again and then say you know this week was really hard because of that Mm -hmm. or I'm having my child's birthday coming up I don't know what to do yeah. Or
0: I knew so to really like know. collaborate yes. and not compare. Like you're not comparing no, no, no. your pain. You're just saying like me too, but also I don't know what to do with a whole community of people who have been through it. Yeah, How valuable.
1: And then the program, which is really exciting just launched at the beginning of February is something I've been working on for the last 14 months and oh really learning the last decade of my life um it's incredible it's also built as a course online that is in your own time in your own space in your own way that there's again all different all different approaches out there but what I wanted what I went back to and felt like would have been the most supportive for me when I lost Marshall what did I want what were all the questions that I was having and fears that I had And so putting that together, because what I found was every time somebody would join the community or I would talk to somebody, you Mm -hmm. know, over coffee or whatever it was at an event, it was like, open the floodgates, like our conversation today, we could talk for hours and hours and hours, right? You're like, and it's like, (laughs) yes, absolutely. Thank you. But it was like, I had so much to say, but how Mm -hmm. do you package that? How do you share that with people? in a repeatable way so that this person is getting sliver one and this person is right. getting sliver two or whatever it is. And so the Because program, it is a
0: process. Like there, there's a cadence and there's a rhythm to the information and how yeah. people process in the stages they go through and the questions they have. Like, yes,
1: yes. Yes. And so the program was built each module stands alone. There is, I love the word though, like you said, cadence to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is some building, but you can just go into any piece of it that calls to you and then you can go back to a different one, right? Yeah. And so it's a combination of many, many short videos, um, exercises, worksheets, bonus Mm -hmm. materials. You know, we've got everything from coloring pages to aromatherapy and then really digging in on some of these topics about Mm -hmm. support about isolation, mm-hmm. about triggers, about physical pain. Yeah. Um, Dr, Dr. Deborah Davis, um, the writer of Empty Cradle, Broken Heart, and uh, she shared a lot of her knowledge. She's a developmental psychologist working in this space for almost 30 years, just yeah. training all around the world. Um, awesome. She gave us content and edited module two on physical pain and trauma to the brain. And so there's just so much packed into this. So good. And I love the idea that um, people could do it when they want it, right? So it's not a, we sit down every week and go through right. a module or go through a program. It's literally, you could be 15 years out and open up this mm-hmm. and then that. Or you could be one week out, and you could stay at this yeah. this section or this video. Or mm-hmm. you know, something happens three years down the road, and this situation occurs. You can go back to this and reflect yeah. on it.
0: Because these things come in cycles too, so it's kind of like, you know, like those old school towers where it's like a spiral staircase, like like a Rapunzel tower, right? So a lot mm-hmm. of people feel like they're going in circles, but it's because they're only taking, they're only looking from the top. And so all they see is the circle, but they're not realizing that every time they circle around, they're another floor up or they're two or three floors up. Mm -hmm. So even Mm -hmm. though it's a similar circumstance or a similar feeling, like it, the, we don't heal in a linear fashion. We heal in a spiral. And so your program, like your your course allows people to go through that spiral, but every time they're a floor up, they have more experience, they have more knowledge, they have more resiliency, they have more skills. And so at each like at each level, that material is going to be helpful in a different way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Because you'll
1: hear something different mm-hmm. at those points, right? Right. I've had people messaging me who are going through it now and saying, oh my God, I wish I would have had this four years ago mm. because it would have saved the relationship with my mom. I didn't know yeah. what she was saying and it just hurt me. And now yeah. hearing your reflection on it and having me work through it, I'm like, oh, you know, or having an, another couple is doing it online together. Mm-hmm. Her husband just happened to watch walk by once when she was watching one of the modules and was like, "Whoa, oh, what is this? Yeah. He ended up loving it because it was like, an accessible way to mm-hmm. validate what he was feeling yeah and he's even been sharing notes to me of saying like this is amazing they're not even writing out the worksheets but they're yeah. just talking about them they pull up the worksheet and as a couple they're talking about it and it's creating this like beautiful time they call parenting their child
0: so mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's pretty special that's so sweet. and then we do have a monthly zoom call check-in so although you don't and it's, it's cool. We're having one of our first ones tonight, actually. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's exciting. Thank you. And I was saying to people, even if you haven't watched one video yet, or you haven't done one exercise, this Mm -hmm. is just our monthly check-in to ask Mm -hmm. any questions about it, to hear about other people going through it, that they can share their insights. Mm -hmm. They can share things they disagree with. They can share ways that they would describe that situation differently or tips that they have. So I think it's just going to evolve and grow really beautifully from here. And I'm
0: excited for it. Thank you. I love this for you. And I love this for the people who are going to be joining because it's so like, that's so life-changing because not everybody has access to therapy or, or wants to go. And this is just so good. I like love it. And I
1: think there's so many tools that you can apply to any, aspect mm-hmm. of life right so yes if you're doing a communication worksheet and what working through the communication and language videos like some mm-hmm. of the things we just talked about now right and letting yep. go and some of those things those can apply to any aspect of your yep. life right True. and so I think there's lots of little nuggets that people can pull into different areas of their life and, Nuggies. Um, yeah thank you for <laughs> having me share about that thank and, you, and opening the dialogue around these topics because I think the more people talk about this stuff and like you mentioned in the beginning, right. It just
0: releases some of that shame. Mm -hmm. It releases some of the fears and stigma. And it releases the isolation, like, because other people have gone through it and it's so much more common than people know. So much
1: more common. So interesting fact on that is, um, there is roughly, give or take, depending on the year, if we look at the last decade, in the U.S. alone, about a million losses a year. Pregnancy losses wow. a year. Right. Does that not blow your mind that there's over 24,000 babies born still in the U.S. every year? Wow. Yeah. That's not it's even so counting many more the than illness, accident, mm-hmm you know, all of the things that can happen Mm -hmm. in life. And so when people say this is niche, this is not niche. One in four is not niche. One in four pregnancies lost is not niche. And, you know, I think you or somebody, you know, in your lifetime Mm -hmm. will experience a loss like this. And so how do we all
0: help each other and be there for each other through that? Mm. Oh yeah, it's so good. So remind us again how we find you. Give us your Instagram handle and your website. And go, people, check her out. Like,
1: thank yeah. you, <laughs> thank you, Amanda. It is on Instagram. We love Instagram. It is carry you dot with me. So carry y o u dot with me. And on um, Facebook, carry with me. You can find us on there. And then at www.carrywithme.com.
0: So good. It's just so good. Thank you, my dear. Dude, thank.
1: I love you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much.